Welcome to Artful Aging with your host, Amy. Are you a senior or a caregiver of a senior looking for support and direction? Best-selling author, educator, and expert in senior living, Amy Friesen, is here with the help you need while providing you with an important and valuable support network. So now, please welcome the host of Artful Aging, Amy Friesen. Good morning, everyone. I'm Amy Friesen, and this is Artful Aging with Amy. Thanks so much for joining me today. Today, we're discussing all the benefits of pet therapy. Pet therapy has been known to reduce blood pressure, to alleviate pain, and reduce stress. I know from working in retirement homes how important a program of pet therapy was for our residents and even for the family members who joined in. According to possumadvice.com, 74% of pet owners say that mental health has improved because of their animals. As for individuals on the journey with dementia, animals can provide a sense of calm and responsibility, which people often feel that they lose as the disease progresses. Some of uh, our local retirement homes also have house cats and house dogs, um, which the residents have now known or now can enjoy in the actual retirement home. And it really does bring a homier atmosphere to the home because many of those uh, seniors were, you know, had animals when they lived on on their own in their own houses. So to have a dog uh, internally, as well as the residents sometimes have dogs and cats, which is pretty awesome. Joining us today is Julie Belininski, Director of Evaluators at Therapeutic Paws Canada. This organization's mission is to enhance the quality of life and health throughout through the animal-human bond. Therapeutic Paws is 100% volunteer-run. It's an organization and registered uh, charity that operates across Canada and offers free pet therapy to long-term care centers, hospitals, schools, stay-away programs, hospices, courtrooms, and I'm sure much, much more. Welcome, Julie. Thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. We're always happy to uh, to inform and, and spread information. Well, and I was so happy to come across your organization. So can you tell us a little bit more about what Therapeutic Pause uh, is as well as what your role is? Uh, okay, uh, Therapeutic Pause, we are a registered charity and we offer free therapy pet visitation. Um, the organization started with um, the lady who is our current chair. Her name is Judy Sauvet in Hawkesbury, Ontario sweet little town, um, with Judy and six volunteers. Um, They they were launched in, or we were launched August 30th, 2002. Um, As you mentioned, we are a volunteer-based organization, and we provide um, these visitation programs for seniors, children, and youth. In 2003, we were granted our charitable status, which then permits the organization to um, issue tax receipts. And 100% of the donations go back into uh, the programs. Uh, we have no paid positions within the organization. Um, so everything, everyone, the board of directors, the volunteers that visit are um, all doing so um, and donating their time. Myself, I've been with the organization since 2011. Um, I've held positions. Uh, I've been the chair. I've been the vice chair. I've been the secretary, treasurer, Um, And I am currently the director of evaluators. So currently I oversee all the evaluations of pets across the country. And then, of course, sit on the board and uh, contribute to major decisions for the organization. That's wonderful. And is there a story behind where a therapeutic pause came from? And, you know, what was the idea bubble behind the, the essentially the organization? 
the lady who is our founder, um, she was with another pet therapy organization. Um, there were some pros and cons, um, as there are to any organization. And um, she left that organization to join Therapeutic Paws of Canada and to found the organization. Um, she was just, there were things that she saw that she thought could be improved um, and some things that could be changed. And she had some ideas of her own. So she kind of branched out into onto her own. That's wonderful. It's much, you know, much like my story as well, you know, being an entrepreneur now as well, there's definitely things in retirement living that I saw that I wanted to improve on. And so, you know, I, I made my company tea and toast and, and that's what we do. Right. So it's nice because every time somebody branches out, hopefully services are getting improved upon and seen differently because not every service fits everybody. So we need to have, you know, quite a few different ones. Um, according to a UCLA study, the simple act of petting animals releases an automatic relaxation response. Petting an animal uh, promoted the release of serotonin, oxycontin, and also all the hormones that play a part in elevating moods. Um, it also lowers anxiety, helping people relax and reduce loneliness. With all these benefits, it's no wonder that so many retirement homes and long-term care homes are looking for these programs, not to mention individuals in our community as well as just other organizations. Julie, what is the main issue or problem that Therapeutic Pause addresses? Um, I, I, I think the issues are varied. Um, the a biggest a big thing for us is we we see a lot of isolation, depression. Again, you mentioned high blood pressure, stress, anxiety. Um, a lot of it is mental health. Some of it is physical, but they can all be somewhat alleviated by petting an animal. And that was actually how I got involved with the organization because my husband said to me once, wouldn't it be great if we could give to other people what our dog gives to us? And I went on the hunt, so... Yeah, it's wonderful. I personally have four animals. <laughs> I have two dogs and cats, and um, for sure, uh, they definitely help. And even just, you know, getting out and playing with them or something, so you're not stuck in your own mind sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like you said, with mental health, I had anxiety this morning because my four-year-old's going on her first sleepover, and I didn't realize I had so much anxiety <laughs> until I dropped her off at school, and I was like, oh, my. And so coming home and playing with the dogs and being with them did help for sure. Um, who would volunteer uh, primarily? Like, who do you see? Sorry, who, where do they volunteer primarily? Um, in terms of facilities, we go into um, seniors' homes, residences, long-term care. We're in hospice care, uh, palliative, schools, libraries with the various programs. Um, our main focus are seniors and children. Um uh, day away programs for Alzheimer's patients, um, pretty much wherever there's a need. We also do some visits in uh, local businesses for their uh, stress and well-being for their employees. That's a lovely idea as well, for sure. Um, and definitely thinking out of the box, right? Because not a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot of programs do that. So to be able to offer that, that's wonderful. Um, and for volunteers, speaking of volunteers, I can't remember if you told us, but how many volunteers do you guys have across Canada? We have over 500 volunteers across Canada um, that donate uh, over 100,000 hours of their time annually to the various programs. Oh, my. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, I got it. I just got to chill. That's that's incredible, right? There's so many people putting so much love into something. Uh, mm-hmm. It's lovely. Um, what are the requirements of a pet to be a part of the program, whether I think you do dogs and cats mainly, right? But I think we'll talk about uh, other animals in a little bit. But what's kind of what are the requirements? So uh, for the pet themselves, um, the pet must be minimum of one year of age. Um, to participate in either a cat or a dog evaluation. Basically, we just look for pets that are very uh, very well-mannered and social. Not all pets are cut out to be therapy pets. Sometimes um, the handler wants it more than the pet does. So we're looking for pets um, that are very socially outgoing, that are eager to meet people, um, and that like nothing more than to to stand there and to be pet and to be loved on um, by by someone else. Sometimes um, we'll see in an evaluation that a pet is constantly avoiding, maybe they're panting excessively, drooling, and it just may be that they are not suited for that um, that role. We take the well-being of our pets and our volunteers very seriously. We will tell our volunteers, if you notice your dog is stressed on a visit, end the visit and remove your dog because... Uh, the last thing we want is for these uh, animals not to enjoy what they're doing. For sure. Yeah, I can just see uh, Sigmund. He's uh, he's my dog and he's got he's an Australian Shepherd and he's got a bobtail. And so every time I meet somebody new, his whole butt wiggles. And I can see like, <laughs> he would definitely enjoy that. And Ruby is my other dog who's a uh, Collie. Uh, sorry, he, she's an Australian Shepherd Collie mix. And she loves, she's tiny, but she loves to jump up because she wants to give people hugs and she wants to kiss them right on the cheek, right? So um, I always thought that they would also be um, a good fit as well. Uh, And I remember too, you know, when I used to work in the retirement homes, seeing every, not only the residents, but also the staff and the families all get involved because, you know, most people love animals depending on, you know, what kind of animal lover they are. Do you see that when you guys go and visit? Yeah, it's it's interesting because sometimes it's a little bit of a mob scene. Um, pre-pandemic, of course, uh, when we would go in, um, you might be in a, a lounge area in a seniors facility, and you you know you go around the room visiting one senior at a time. But the next thing you know, you know you've got a couple of staff members that are there, and it really is a win-win-win for everybody. Um, the clientele that we visit, the staff at the facilities. Um, even the volunteer, because obviously we're there because this is something we want to do and that we enjoy doing as well. So, mm. yeah, the program that we used to run when I worked in the homes was a group program, and so we'd all they'd all sit in a circle and have the dogs come in. Uh, mo- it was mostly dogs at that point, um, and then just visit that way. Do you guys do uh, a mixture of t- like group and individual, or you more so do individual? So we only go to um, facilities. We do not go to private homes. Um, We used to, again, pre-pandemic, a lot of times our handlers and their pet would go room to room. So it would be very much a one-on-one. With the pandemic the way it is, um, and of course, you know, trying to keep things um, sanitary and and clean and, and whatever, uh, we've stopped the room to room and now we will only visit in those lounge areas or or common rooms. Um, and again, like you said, um, oftentimes the residents are sitting in a circle and the dog will go from person to person or they're dispersed throughout the room. But again, the handler and the dog will go person to person. 
Mm-hmm. Speaking of COVID, how have you found the last couple of years? I'm I'm guessing that you probably had to reduce a lot of things that you were doing. How did you guys manage that? And what did you do for the last couple of years? We actually um, stopped in-person visiting um, for the safety and well-being of our volunteers, as well, of course, as our clientele. Um, nobody nobody wants to uh, to be on the receiving end of, of COVID for sure. Um, but during that time, we discovered um, the world of virtual visits. So uh, we actually did a large event with uh, CBC and we had, they had breakout rooms and we had dogs and handlers in breakout rooms with groups of people and people had their own dogs on, on screen from, from CBC, which was great. We had our dogs on screen and it was just conversation, right? But it was, it's still not as good as in person, but because you want your hands on the dog, but it was, it was something that we, we've managed to make it through. And there have been the odd um, event uh, supporting our frontline workers, of course. Um, and we have been in the courts because, unfortunately, that is something that doesn't go away. But we do have very strict protocols in place in terms of hygiene, uh, masking, and that kind of thing for our volunteers. So I can see, like, a Zoom meeting with all of the different dog faces on it, just the dogs. <laughs> That's what I'm visualizing. Um, And I think that a lot of people have been getting a lot of benefit um, from working at home because so many of us are pet lovers. And then the pets, you know, they're around. A lot of people got puppies during COVID and because they have time to do it. Um, And one of the problems I'm finding at the moment is that because we've been so close to our dogs and cats, but specifically our dogs for so long, um, I think that they've kind of uh, developed a little bit more anxiety because when we leave, they seem to be um, a little bit more anxious. Have you seen that with any of your pets, just like, you know, just handling them in general? Have they had their attitudes changed since COVID? Um, I, I'm sure that they have. Um, I know myself personally, I have um, two large dogs, um, one that is uh, a six and a half year old female and then uh, a three year old male. My male is a rescue. We've had him a couple of years. But when I take my female to work, even though he has always been crated, she's always been free to roam. Uh, mm-hmm. He gets a little bit, he gets a little bit antsy in his crate when she's not there. So they like yeah. the company too. They love the company. And I didn't expect to have that um, anxiety kind of, I guess I just didn't even consider it. They have anxiety kind of generally speaking. But it's definitely increased since COVID. But we're gonna we're gonna take a break. We'll continue this conversation when we come back because we have a lot to cover today. So, do you have a pet in our audience? Post some comments on our video, perhaps uh, when we're finished here today, and let us know what type of animal you have. So we'll be back in just a few minutes on Artful Aging with Amy. Hi there. Thanks for joining us again. Julie and I are speaking about pet therapy and all the benefits that come with it. Julie, I was quoting the UCLA study earlier, and one of the findings that the study noted was an increase in mental stimulation. The study noted that animals could assist someone in recalling of memories and help with sequential temporal events. Have you seen any animals be a positive influence in uh, the lives of the folks who are on a journey with dementia? Do you happen to have any stories to share? Um. I, I've definitely seen a positive influence um, a, a number of times. Um, 
I used to have uh, two dogs that I visited with. One was a Great Pyrenees and the other was a Leon Burger Mastiff mix. So he was, he was quite a big boy. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate with both dogs to visit some absolutely amazing people. Um, with my Great Pyrenees, her name was Lacey. We visited um, a gentleman that act, we found him, you know, he was in a facility and it's rare to find people who know that, that particular breed because um, they're not a very, they're not a mainstream breed and they're a working dog. But um, he knew the breed and actually came from the region where the breed was from, which is the Pyrenees Mountains between wow. France and Spain. And his family used to have a sheep farm uh, when he was a young boy. And he oftentimes recalled his childhood and how the dogs would guard their flocks of sheep, regardless of whether they were in a pen or whether they were out, you know, out in the fields, um, you know, or in the hills or whatever. And he said he often found that they would not only protect the sheep, but the, the family themselves became part of that flock. Um, and he said he always felt protected when he was with them. And he, he said he knew that when he was that outside with the sheep and with those dogs, he said nothing, nothing could touch them. But that was his past. He was, I would say he was in his early 80s to mid 80s when we met him. Um, and to see that, um, that, that recall that he had, um, was amazing. And then his family, I met his family on one of our visits and they indicated to me that um, it was the first time they'd heard the story. They, they didn't know um, that that was uh, part of his past and his history. Um, and they were surprised that he remembered it. What a lovely connection for, I mean, for, for everybody involved, yeah. really just like, you know, it's, it's hard to know everybody's life stories especially if it's your parents and things like that it's like those little triggers that mm-hmm. obviously hadn't come up right and it's just that little trigger and like all of a sudden he has this giant story about you know his past that I'm sure just like brought his family so much closer it must have been really lovely for you to be a part of that as well it, it was um and with with the Leon Burger Mastiff mix that I had um it was a woman who she she shed happy tears as she um, remembered her youth uh, with horses, and horse and I when she when we she first kind of went down that path, it took me a quick minute to realize that um, the reason it triggered her horse memory was because of the size of my dog. I was going to say because he's giant, right? <laughs> she made a joke that he was a small pony. Ah, okay. And, and who let the pony the horse? horse in inside did they not know it was supposed to be outside in the barn so um yeah it it, he was able to help this beautiful soul uh remember her younger more carefree days far from the challenges that uh she was dealing with now so Mm. yeah I can see how that would trigger I I'm a little shy around mastiffs only because I I tend to get pushed over really easily with the bigger dogs and so I like the ones that are like hip hip high (laughs) I don't know why my experience with a Mastiff in general, just because they're just giant, um, which has been interesting. I, yeah. I spoke at the top of the show about ways that pet therapy could benefit seniors. What other ways have you seen seniors in particular benefit from having the therapy dogs visit? Is there anything that's happened? Uh, my thoughts kind of go to the folks uh, in palliative care, actually. You know, how has that been beneficial for them? Um, it, it just it really helps 
bring them a sense of, of calm. It really, I know for myself, I can have the worst possible day, but I go home and spend five minutes on the couch with my, um, with my dog, just, you know, uh, petting them and, and loving on them. And, and it's that, that quiet understanding. Um, animals have this intuition that they just really seem to know and understand what you're feeling and what you need. Um, palliative care, obviously, uh, in some cases, um, the individuals may not necessarily be coherent, but they still feel, they still hear. Um, I know my personal experience when my mother was in palliative care, she knew what was going on around her. She couldn't speak, but she felt the love. And she, and she could hear the conversation. It also brings comfort to the families um, that are there. It, it helps alleviate some of the stress and the anxiety and sadness that they're feeling, if only for a brief moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was uh, one of my previous guests talked about how she actually snuck her cat into the hospital to see her dad because the, her dad loved cats. She put it under her her uh, coat and snuck it up to the hospital bed because unfortunately he was passing away and and like she wanted the cat to be there because he has such a bond with the cat and that happened so well um, even with my four year old right he Sigmund um, is the the dog man of the house right and so if she if Eva's you know crying or yelling or hurt or anything really um, he's coming to the rescue and if there's a noise at night he's coming to the rescue because he wants to make sure that everybody's protected, which is such a lovely, um, a lovely thing, except for when it's like 4am and there's a raccoon outside or something. And then (laughs) he wants you to know that that raccoon's there. And so everybody wake up, which is not the loveliest thing. We often joke about, um, with my, my particular dogs, because they are a guardian breed. We often joke that, uh, you know, the, the fly that makes the squeak in Alberta is what they bark at at 4am. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been uh, interesting. Whereas the cats, obviously, I don't know if you have cats, but they just kind of hang out. <laughs> They're just doing their thing. They like to be close. And actually, it's funny, as as they age, my younger cat's probably three or four. And as she's been aging, she's gotten more social. Before, she would just kind of hang out by herself. And now she comes down on the couch and she's hanging out on the on the couch with us and wants to be pet. So it's been a really lovely, um, lovely to watch them you know, mature as animals, I guess, is the way to say it, eh? Um, okay, so let's uh, let's take another break. Let's let's take a time for a stretch. Uh, after the break, Julie and I are going to continue our conversation. You're watching Artful Aging with Amy on Bull Break TV. We will see you in a few minutes. Welcome back. We are talking with Julie today from Therapeutic Paws about all of the benefits and loveliness surrounding having animals and humans together. Um, and like I said, I have four animals, so I'm <laughs> I'm knee deep in it all the time. Sometimes <laughs> it's a little bit much, but that's also when you add in the four-year-old and the husband as well. There's a lot of beings here. <laughs> Julie, could you give our audience a general idea of how a typical visit might look and if there are any differences between how you might visit in a nursing home versus a retirement home versus a business? And again, just for our viewers, a nursing home is kind of a higher level type of medical setting uh, and a retirement home can do medical as well, but they're more of a social setting just so people can understand what I'm talking about. Um, and then you said you can't went to businesses and stuff too. So is there a difference and what does that look like? 
Um, retirement home, long-term care, um, they're very, very similar in the approach. Um, typically, they are um, a lot more stringent in terms of, and certainly now in this uh, COVID world that we live in, um, they're certainly a lot more stringent about um, who can come in, when you come in, their sign-in procedures. So typically our volunteers will arrive, um, you know, a few minutes prior to their scheduled time. They arrive in uniform. Um, uniform for us is um, a red shirt uh, with our crest on it. The dogs will be wearing a scarf and or a vest. Um, dogs that we consider child certified, the vest is mandatory for them um, because it's it's a really big marker for a kid uh, in a school to understand that that dog is safe to approach. Um, and then, you know, they go through um, a sign-in procedure. They will sanitize uh, the dog's feet uh, if they can with maybe a wipe or some tea tree oil mixed in with, with water or whatever so that the dog doesn't bring anything into the facility. Um, they'll sanitize the leash and then they'll go in and go to the assigned area, a predetermined area usually, and they will go in and visit. In between uh, contact from one patient to another, currently they are sanitizing their leashes um, wherever possible because they, the residents do tend to, um, some of them like to hold the collars or they like to have their hands on the leash. Um, Prior to COVID, when I would visit, there was one lady who used to walk with me down the halls. Um, and she used to like to pretend that she was holding the dog. So she would hold, you know, the middle of the leash and I would hold the handle kind of thing. Um, and then we just go basically around the circle. We have wonderful conversations, um, whether it be about the dog, about um, the senior's memory of their own childhood or the dogs that they used to have. And... Um, just just interact. I mean, it is it amazes me how a senior really blossoms when someone gives them a little bit of attention. Um, unfortunately, oftentimes a lot of the seniors in these homes, um, I'm not going to say that they are forgotten by their families, but they are less of a priority, shall we say. And it's it's really beautiful to see the way they just come alive when they do interact with the dog. For sure. And I can imagine, you know, like I said, when we were in, when I worked in retirement living, um, there's a couple of programs that, so we were trying to get on with one program specifically that was running in our home, but the, you know, the wait list was substantial. And if you weren't at the top, if you, you weren't persistent and like getting your name and stuff, it would be difficult because obviously so many people see the value of these visits. And I just think that, that that's lovely. Um, is it a different type of visit then when you go to a business, for instance? Um, it, it is in that, um, of course, there's a little less uh, rigid protocols in place um, in terms of um, hygiene. However, again, what the facility requires of us versus what we as a TPOC member, um, that's our the acronym for Therapeutic Paws of Canada, um, it, it, it can vary. We always mandate to our volunteers to wear a mask um, and, you know, to make sure they sanitize their hands and, and they do all that. That's no different in a business setting. Um, the difference in a business setting, um, of course, is just um, the group of, of people that you're visiting. Um, typically, it's in a room. People have signed up to, to come and visit the pet. Um, 
And, and we will also, in a lot of cases, maybe have multiple pets on a business visit, whereas when it is a visit to a senior or long-term care, it is one pet, one handler. Um, whereas, again, in a, a business setting, um, we will may, maybe have multiple pets going in. I'm guessing in the business setting, too, there's probably a big basket of lint rollers at the door afterwards. <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that because given the breed that I have, um, I carry, it's part of my, my stuff when I go, go visit, uh, there's a lint roller because she's a very hairy, hairy girl. So, yeah, I told you, I got four pets. I know all about that fur. <laughs> there's like, there's little fur, the furlets kind of floating in front of me right now. You can't, you can only clean so much. You can't get them all. But, um, what yeah. reactions do you get from the people when you visit? You've, you've shared with us some of the stories, but you know, is there anything else that you've seen happen? They, I, I had one gentleman who um, the first time he had spoken in a year and a half, I think it was, um, his family hadn't heard him speak in over a year. And Come on. It, yeah. And it, it wasn't, we, we happened to be there that day with the dog and he bent over, he, he was petting the dog and kind of messing her hair, like her around her ears and stuff. We could hear this noise, didn't know what it was. And one of his family members bent down and said, did you say something, dad? And he just continued to talk, talk to the dog. And they had oh my goodness. speaking like a year. Woo. Yeah. Tearing yeah. up there. That's, that's amazing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We've been, um, we've been very fortunate. We've seen very positive, very, very positive outcomes. I, it, yeah, it must be such a joy to be a volunteer um, in, in doing this. It's so lovely. Um, we were talking on the break. And so I wanted you to share it here. I, Tell me, because I know that a lot of people do love cats and dogs, for instance, but not everyone. However, that doesn't maybe mean that they couldn't connect with another type of animals. Are the volunteers able to assist those individuals as well? And can you please share about the calls that you get in? Because I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, so basically, our particular organization, we only deal with therapy dogs and therapy cats. Um, there are organizations out there that will certify um, for therapy work other animals. Um, I, I've seen I've seen it all, and I've I've received calls on and emails on things. We've had people ask if we would certify their llamas, chickens, ducks, guinea pigs, um, pigs, horses. Um, I think I know somewhere in the U.S. there's somebody who actually has, I think it's one of the little baby mini Scottish Highland cows um, that is certified. There are organizations out there that uh, will certify those those types of animals. And, and that's great. I mean, we can, you know, if people get comfort from it, then we're all for it. Well, and it's also, too, it depends on, you know, where you live and where you're brought up, where, you know, there's a... I mean, there's rural all over, right? And so I'm in Ottawa, and there's there's definitely where I live. There's more rural, right? And that's those the farmers and, and whatnot would be more in, probably more interested in probably dogs as well, but like other animals, like you said, horses and cows and ducks and all sorts of stuff. So it's nice to know that there's other organizations that might be able to help with that as well. Well, Julie, we're at a break again. Uh, our time is flying, so I'm going to discuss. Uh, Julie and I are going to discuss how folks watching can become a volunteer with Therapeutic Paws. You're watching Artful Aging with Amy. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Artful Aging. I'm your host, Amy. We've been speaking with Julie from Therapeutic Paws of Canada. 
as I was saying before, I remember working in both retirement homes and nursing homes, which are also called long-term care homes, and having programs like this come into our um, residences. And I tell you, honestly, the family and staff, like we were saying, just get so much joy out of these visits, just as much as the residents. And it was always so lovely to see. And as I was just saying, it's it can be tricky, though, to get these types of services in because as Julie was saying, it's most of them are all volunteer run um, and we need to get some more volunteers involved because, you know, we're at a limit. Right. So it's hard to get these services in sometimes. So, Julie, maybe you could uh, explain how someone from a facility like a nursing home or a retirement home can get one of your teams to get come into their home. OK, um, so, again, um, as, a, as an organization, we will um, we'll pretty much go wherever we're able to. Um, a facility like a nursing home, um, they would uh, have to contact one of our local team leaders. So if they were to visit our website at um, tplc.ca, they would be able to um, find a list of team leaders. Um, it's broken down across the country by province and by um, city. And all the contact information is there. That team leader can then guide them through the process um, most of these facilities have very stringent rules kind of on who can come in and when and, and that kind of thing. And we would match the facility up with a volunteer because not all volunteers are comfortable, for example, doing hospice or palliative care. Uh, right. It takes a very special, just like our court dogs, they take it takes a very special um, group of people to do that. Um, and then and, uh, they would go through whatever the onboarding procedure is uh, at the facility, make sure that our volunteer understands, you know, kind of the rules and guidelines, and they could set up regular visitation, whether it be once a week, once every couple of weeks. What we do ask our volunteers is if you commit to once a week, you go once a week. Because they, yeah. the, the seniors very much look forward to those visits. So, For sure, yeah. And I... When we were doing it, again, when I was in the homes, we we were only lucky enough to get once a month if we were lucky. So um, so being able to have once a week as an option is it was really delightful. Uh, and on the note of volunteers, do you know that nearly half of Canadians volunteer? Volunteering can it can and does look different for everyone, and it doesn't have to uh, look the same or for the same reasons that it, you know people do volunteer for different reasons um, and different passions. So, Julie, can you uh, let let our audience know if they're interested in becoming a volunteer for TPOC? How would they go about doing that? Okay, so. Um Many people think uh, that when you volunteer with a, an organization such as ours that you have to have a dog or a cat. We do have what we call non-visiting members, and those are the members that might help out in an evaluation at a public event, help with the back-end paperwork that's required and that kind of thing. So just because you don't have a pet doesn't mean that uh, you're not a fit for the organization. Um, if you do have a, a dog or a cat that you would like to um, visit with, um, or that you think would make a great therapy pet, you can, again, reach out to your local team leader who will conduct an interview to see if the team, and when I say the team, I kind of put some air quotes around that because the team consists of the handler and the pet, um, to see if they qualify to participate in an evaluation. Once they pass the evaluation, um, there's just a few more steps that they need to take, and one of those is provide a clean or clear vulnerable sector police records check because um, we are dealing with the vulnerable, whether it be it 
children or seniors. Um, they would need to provide us with references and then uh, successfully complete a series of monitored visits. And those monitored visits are where once they pass the evaluation, they would go with the team leader or an experienced member and go through the process of learning how to visit. Um, some simple things that we might do as a uh, just a member, a, a visitor, is you might go into a room and somebody maybe has gotten their wheelchair stuck in a corner. Um, as a, a regular person, you might go in and you might help them maneuver that chair out of the corner. We ask our volunteers, you, you can't do that because if you move them the wrong way, if something happens, if they want a glass of water, you cannot give them a glass of water. You need to go and get someone to get that for them because you cannot give them anything. So just, you know, um, just making sure that the volunteer understands um, the parameters and, and the guidelines under which they need to, to visit. Well, and it's great that you're so thorough, even, you know, references and vulnerable sector checks and such, just to make sure that everybody's on the same page. And it's really, really good that you give them direction because, you know, the environments of nursing homes and retirement homes are so different and a lot of people are unfamiliar with them. So to have that understanding is really helpful. Um, Julie, if someone, someone watching is interested in donating, how would they go about doing that? Um, they could go to our website, um, which again is tpoc.ca. Um, there is a donate button. Just click on the button and you can donate by a credit card. Um, of course, we do accept checks and, and money orders as well. Um, and that can be done by making your check or money order payable to Therapeutic Paws of Canada and mailing it to P.O. Box 5024 in Hawkesbury, Ontario. Um, the postal code is K as in Kilo, 6A as in Adam, 0A as in Adam, 4. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, our time has come to an end, Julie. Could you please let our audience know how to get a hold of Therapeutic Pause uh, of Canada on social media if they want to follow you or they want to interact uh, as well? Sure. Um, we do have a national Facebook page. Um, we can be found at TPOC National on Facebook. Uh, our Twitter is Therapeutic Pause or at Therapeutic Pause. Uh, and there is no, no space therapeutic and pause. Uh, we are also on Instagram, therapeutic pause of Canada and YouTube under therapeutic pause of Canada. As someone who manages that many social medias as well, like I do as well, that's a lot of social medias to manage. So it's wonderful that you guys are so visible because um, there's a lot of organizations I find as well that are volunteer run or what or whatnot that aren't as vis visual and visible as you guys are, which is lovely because you want people to find you, obviously. So, well, thank you so much, Julie, for joining us today. It was really enlightening and the, your stories are so very touching. So thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It was a, it was a great conversation and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do it again and maybe next time in person. Awesome. Awesome. After the break, I'm going to tell you about some fun facts that I found about pets just for the heck of it, I think. So you're watching Artful Aging with Amy on Bold Brave TV. We'll see you in a few. Welcome back. I hope that you enjoyed today's show. I hope that some of you will reach out to the Therapeutic Paws of Canada to volunteer. Um, I love that Julie also mentioned that you don't have to have an animal to volunteer. There's lots of other jobs. I'm sure they can put you to work over there. Uh, I think it's such a great uh, organization. So I thought that I'd end today's show by sharing some fun and interesting facts that I found on the internet. <laughs> 
so number one, did you know that the do- a dog could be right or left-handed like humans? So I decided to test this out on my dogs and um, I chucked a 24 of them and to see which paw they actually reach out with. And I can tell you that Sigmund is for sure right-handed. Whereas Ruby, I think that she doesn't, she might be ambidextrous because she likes to use both feet and her mouth to catch toys, not one or the other. Let me tell you, I tried this quite a few times just to find out. So that was a little fun. You should try that at home uh, and add your comments uh, and let me know. Two, dogs can learn over 100 words and gestures, which puts their intelligence and understanding on par with a two-year-old, but apparently much easier to train. Again, I've got a four-year-old, so I can abide by that as well, that, you know, they they are very, very intelligent, as you heard us talking throughout this whole show, uh, which is super wonderful. Number three, let's not forget about cats whose nose pads has ridges in a unique pattern, not unlike a person's fingerprints. So that was really interesting to find out. So if you're looking at your cat, they might think you're a little bit of a weirdo, but check out their nose. And number four, cats have a better memory than dogs and many other animals. Cats' memories can last longer than 16 hours. And I think in that same uh, webpage, it was saying that dogs maybe last five minutes. So significantly longer. So make sure that you don't anger your cat because they're bound to poop in your shoe. (laughs) And there you have it. That's the best animal facts that I could find on the internet. I hope that you enjoyed today's show. On next week's show, we'll be discussing mediation, both as a senior as well as working together as a family. The elder care journey can be uh, an up and down experience, can be very uh, traumatic and stressful, but there's a lot of um, beautiful moments in the elder care journey. So mediation helps a lot of families figure it all out so they can communicate just a little bit better. If you enjoyed today's show and found value, please just take a moment to like and share our video or our podcast on our apps that you're listening to. It really helps other families find us. And um, I would hope that we're covering a lot of information that you as a viewer also finds interesting. So I'm sure that your network would uh, find it interesting as well. Again, over on artfulagingwithamy.com, there are not only the bios, but the links to all of our folks, and you'll find Julie's information there as well. There's also a lot of direction um, for downloadables and um, uh, different things that you can get off of our website, including my book and other uh, printable things. So have a look over there if you're happy to be struggling in your retirement or elder care journey. We'd be happy to help. Thanks so much for joining me on Artful Aging uh, today, and I'm wishing you a very wonderful Wednesday. You've been listening to Artful Aging with host Amy. Many folks just like you feel they're alone in their journey in helping a loved one or caregiver. So tune in each week and let Amy show you that help is around the corner and is just one conversation away here on Artful Aging.